0: How then shall we live is a question posed in the book of Ezekiel in the Bible, and it has been appropriated as the title of many modern books since then. It is, in other words, a question that has resonated in every age and time. How then shall we live? And in many respects, It is in the act of worship, of choosing to offer God our praise, praise as our creator, and to pray for guidance, and to reflect deeply on God's word, that answers to that question emerge. So I welcome you to this time of worship. I welcome you to this time of asking life's most profound and meaningful questions as you might know this sunday is our last time in worship with you for Lynn and me and so later in our service we will share our own reflections on that question but it has been a privilege of a lifetime to serve as your pastors and your colleagues and your friends these past 15 years And as Mayflower continues to sail towards new horizons, I am pleased to share that moving forward, your personnel and executive committees have reached out to two of our favorite people on the planet, Reverend Dr. Jonathan White and Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, to serve in positions of pastoral leadership at Mayflower. If you don't know them already, and many of you do, you will find them both to be wonderfully caring, thoughtful, and insightful guides on the journey of faith. We couldn't be more delighted by this news and pass along our heartfelt affirmation and support as they will, in the future, lead live stream services, help you to care for each other, our community, and our hurting world, and to discern along with you How best to be the church in a COVID world, this time of profound challenges and yet also opportunities. Speaking of the personnel committee, it is my pleasure at this time to invite forward Susan Jones, who is the chair of that committee.
1: Good morning. As Mark said, I am the newly um, installed chair of Mayflower's Personnel Committee, and in that role, it is my absolute pleasure to share with you a time of recognition and thanks this morning with Mark and Lynn. On behalf of the entire congregation, the church council, and the personnel committee, We would like to express our gratitude for your service to Mayflower over these past 15 years. Your time of leadership has contributed greatly to all our church has accomplished as we have sought to serve Jesus Christ at 2345 Robinson Road. Looking back, there is much to remember and to celebrate. Over the past 15 years, with your leadership and working together as a congregation, we have successfully completed three strategic plans and launched Mayflower Vision 2022. We have grown Mayflower's membership every single year for 15 years. We've balanced our budget the past 11 years ever since we got over the hump of the Great Recession. And we've enhanced our church facility with the atrium, the columbarium, the prayer garden, youth and church room renovations, relocation of the church playground to provide additional security for our children, and construction of the curry portico and roof garden to be more welcoming to members, friends, and visitors. We've involved over 500 youth in mission trips around the world. We've built three habitat homes, renovated 18 mobile homes, and house countless families as part of the IHN Family Promise Program. We've creatively reinvented our children's education program, first with Paula Gaylord and now with our wonderful Faith Formation Journey staff. We've enjoyed extraordinary music every Sunday along with special musicals, cantatas, and new programs such as Mondays at Mayflower and Lenten Music and Meditation. We've navigated the retirements of long-standing church staff members while continuing to build momentum and embrace new ideas. We've welcomed and launched the Sudanese Grace Episcopal Church into their new church home. We've increased the percentage of our giving from outreach to zero to 15% and given away over the past decade $1.3 million to assist those in need in our community, country, and around the world. We've responded with resilience to the arrival of COVID-19, with financial generosity, increasing care for neighbors in need, and a willingness of Mayflower staff and members to adapt to church in a digital world. For these accomplishments, we are grateful. Mark and Lynn, you are leaving us in an excellent position, both spiritually and financially. You have cultivated a staff of gifted people who work together in cheerful harmony, and you have encouraged and nurtured volunteer leadership across a wide range of successful committees and projects. This has been extraordinary. Now, as a very small expression of our gratitude we would like to gift you with something that is most appropriate for people who are leaving chilly Michigan for even more chilly Minnesota. I know the congregation is going to have a hard time seeing this, but what you see here is a picture of a large furry throw that Lynn and Mark can use on their bed or their sofa. Why is this so appropriate, this always cold throw? Well, I did a little research, and we think it's cold here in Michigan in January. It's six degrees colder in St. Paul. Average temperature, 23 degrees for the high and six for the low. So good luck with that. (laughs) So you'll be receiving this large, cuddly, king-size throw that's emblazoned always cold. But on a more serious note, we know that each of you has a special place you love to visit, a place where you find inspiration and spiritual sustenance. For that reason, Mayflower Church would like to fund Mark's visit to the Franciscan Monastery he appreciates so much and Lynn's visit to the Princeton Theological Seminary Library that she loves. Mark and Lynn Please accept this picture of your gift to come and these envelopes to fund your upcoming pilgrimages. Thank you and big virtual hugs for all you have done over the past 15 years here at Mayflower.
0: Thank you, Susan, and and I fear this blanket, this throw, will be put to good use in Minnesota. Thank you, Belinda, I thank the personnel committee and this congregation. If you received our Friday email, I invite you to locate our worship bulletin or to visit our homepage and to download it and to follow along with our order of service and hear now these words... From the psalmist who writes, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever, for out of my distress I called to the Lord, the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is my On my side to help me, the Lord is my strength and has become my salvation, for this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come, let us worship. George Herbert was a 17th century priest and poet and known for his insightful words describing the spiritual life. This prayer is adapted from his poem, Prayer. Let us pray. Indeed, O Lord, we know that prayer is the church's banquet, for it nourishes our soul. We know in worship what feeds us, helps us to understand ourselves better and what it means to follow you in our lives. For it is in prayer and worship we come to discern and to attend to our soul that which is in paraphrase, as the poet put it, and so we come to see that our heart is always in pilgrimage, as the poet put it. So may we, I pray, as the poet wrote, find in this sanctuary, in this virtual sanctuary in which we gather this morning, softness and peace, joy and bliss the gladness of the best heaven in what is ordinary and so we might leave this time together with something better understood amen Our first scripture reading is from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them, May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all God's decrees and commands so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Our second reading is from Job chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish. In the sea inform you, which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. And from Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice Behind you. Saying. This. Is the way. Walk. In it. Hear these words from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Today's anthem on eagle's wings is written by Father Michael Jonkus, one of the most prominent liturgical scholars and musicians in Catholic music today. We picked this for several reasons. When we received news six weeks ago that Mark and Lynn would be leaving us, we began conversations with our choirs about how we could honor and thank them for their years of leadership and inspiration. Two of these ideas materialized. One is this bowed up, amazing memory book uh, with heartfelt messages, poems, notes, photos from people in our choir. Patty, I need to thank Patty for putting this together in such a beautiful way. And the second is a video that will be posted tomorrow on our church's YouTube channel. This video includes our children's choirs, our adult choirs, and our handbell choir performing on eagle's wings. And for that reason, I brought today Scott and Emily representing chancel choir, Josh representing our middle and youth choirs, and Abby representing our children to sing this today. We picked this because we wanted something the children could participate in and also something that we would know well enough that in our own separate spaces we would be able to record our own tracks to bring them all together. 54 separate tracks. My son's computer barely handled all of this. It's a wonderful representation of the the vitality and the excitement within our music program. And I thank each of you who sing with us, who uh, took this challenge on to create this wonderful parting gift for our pastors. Then last night I found out that the composer and author, Father Jonkus, is a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. So he may be your colleague. Based on Psalm 91, this is a song of comfort with a gentle message of God's loving care. It's a song that reminds us that God has cared for us in the past. And in these times of the unknown, of anxiety, of change, of transition, we trust that God continues to care for us. And so as a representative of the music staff, And of all the families that are a part of our music program at Mayflower, I wish you, Mark and Lynn, happiness and success in your new endeavors and the knowledge that God continues to care for you and that he keeps you in the palm of his hands.
3: Thank you, Julia, and members of the choirs, all of the choirs. I was able to hear the rehearsal this morning and was so moved by the music and the words and the voices. And I uh, thank you for the preparation because I will likely have an entire box of Kleenexes tomorrow when I open that uh, song on YouTube. So thank you. Giving is an act of faith. We believe what we have to offer makes a difference in the world. But more than that, we believe in the one who is behind our giving. We may not see God with our eyes. We may find it difficult to even catch a glimpse of what God may be doing in and around us. At times we may not see the effect of what we give, but over the years we have seen how God has blessed our gifts, and so we trust in the one who is faithful. If you are following the online bulletin, please know that you can click the link to give offering You can also give online at our homepage on our website where you will find a donate button. We have a mailbox under the portico where you can either drop off an envelope or simply put it in the U.S. mail. And now we offer the opportunity to give via text. Please check our worship bulletin in our email or homepage for details on this. And so I invite you to join me now in giving as an act of faith. I told you, thank you for the beautiful music and Mark and I look forward to hearing the expanded choirs performing, deliver those beautiful and encouraging and heartening words. Thank you. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, you have already blessed us with these gifts. Like the rain which comes down from heaven and waters the earth, this money will not return to you unless it accomplishes your purpose. By giving it now, by acting on our faith, we are placing ourselves in the flow of your work in this world. And so we pray in the words of the prophet Let your justice roll down like waters and your righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Because of, in the name of, and through Jesus Christ we pray, Amen. Kathleen Norris in her book Amazing Grace says this about prayer. I have learned that prayer is not asking for what you think you want, but asking to be changed in ways you can't imagine. People who are in the habit of praying know that when a prayer is answered, it is never in the way. We expect and so I invite you this morning to set aside your expectations your wants your ideas about what you think you need and open your hearts and imaginations to the work of the spirit upon your life let us pray O oh God of our lives As the hymnist writes, like a deer pants for water, our hearts desire your presence and your peace. Yet we do not always seek or even recognize the right paths to that place. There are days when we find ourselves lost. There are days when we have wandered away from your goodness. And your blessing there are days when we find ourselves in a place of danger not knowing how to find our way to safety surround our longings and our desires with your spirit and open our ears to the coaxing of your call here are prayers for our hearts' desires, and for finding the path to your peace and to your presence.
4: O
5: Lord, our prayers arise unto you. O Spirit of God, Surround our longings and our desires with your spirit, and open our ears to the coaxing of your call. Dwell within Mm our hearts.
3: Protector God, the psalmist named you his refuge and rock in whom he could trust. Knowing this, he was confident that in life and in death, in heights and in valleys, in goodness and in hardships, he belonged to you. In that assurance, we know that whether we seek refuge in the shadow of your presence clinging for our lives or soar on your mighty wings, shining like the sun, your faithful presence is our shield. And so today we bring before you our words of gratitude for unexpected time with family for health in a COVID world. For the beauty of a Michigan summer. And we bring before you our fears of the unknown. And our regrets for words and acts left undone. We come before you with the names of those who are grieving loss. Those who are living with illness. May they know they rest in the palm of your hand, and that you will lift them up in strength. Protector of our lives, hear our prayers,
4: oh Lord
5: our prayers arise unto you, O Spirit. Be lifted into your strength, dwell within our hearts. We pray,
3: God of our lives, through this congregation, you have taught us the ways. Of your spirit we give you thanks for the children we have raised up to know and to serve you we give you thanks for the members and friends of Mayflower those we have known our whole lives and those whose names we still don't do not know we give you thanks for all those who teach and show us how to be more faithful and to meet the needs of your world. We give you thanks for the generosity of those who make the ministry of this congregation possible. As Mayflower enters the next chapter of its life as a congregation, turn our heads Fix our eyes upon the places where more light is to come. And then as pilgrims led by your spirit, let us follow that light as we begin to discern your vision for us and to sail into new horizons. Hear our prayers.
5: O Lord, our prayers arise unto you. teaching have taught us to be faithful to the needs of the world. O oh, Spirit
3: Now hear us, O God, as we offer to you the words your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. When Mark and I were reflecting on what we might share as our last sermon here at Mayflower, we realized we both wanted to offer our thoughts. As we have partnered together and with you in the mission and ministry of our church, this seemed to be fitting. That's why we are sitting on these stools in the chancel this morning. We also wanted to extend to you a charge rather than a traditional sermon. A charge, as you might remember, is what occurs right before the benediction. A charge, in some respects, is the answer to the question, how then shall we live? Every Sunday, Mark and I have Offered a charge within the words we have spoken as we walk down this center aisle, words that often capture the essence of the sermon. So this morning, we share this charge as a means to answer the question how shall we live as grandmothers and grandfathers, sons and daughters, cousins and friends, and as a community of faith.
0: A few moments ago we heard the words, Hear, O Israel, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. How then shall we live? Well, one answer is, as Scripture teaches, we are to pass along God's commandments. The ways God teaches that we are to live our lives, to pass those along to our children. Fifteen years ago, when we walked through the doors of 2345 Robinson Road and and into the sanctuary, I was a curly-haired 39-year-old with a super-smart and cute wife, and three children, the oldest, a redhead who loved the Red Sox, a brunette who loved dance, a blonde who loved pink cowboy boots, and Paula Gaylord, who was the director of Christian education at the time, presented me with this blue binder. The inside cover reads, Favorite Things at Mayflower. And I kept this loop binder on the bookshelf above the desk in my office because in many ways, within those pages, I could be reminded, what is our charge as a congregation? Now, admittedly, some of the responses as to favorite things at Mayflower that children wrote oh, were funny. One child wrote, my favorite thing at church is Eating. Some were humorously revealing. Another child wrote, I love chucking wood chips at bees on the playground. Some took the question in a lovely, different direction. One child wrote, I love snowflakes. Another, I love that God created sunshine. But most of the answers were moving. Children wrote words such as, I love going to church with my family. I love singing in choir. I love the Bible. I love the cross. I love talking to God. I love Sunday school. And this was my favorite. I love everything about church. And from the moment I held that blue binder 15 years ago, it was clear as a congregation, you cared deeply about living out the words of Deuteronomy. Impress these commandments on your children, says God. In fact, this week, as I flipped through these pages, I saw names of children who this church would later confirm. And children, now young men and women, who continue to be a part of this congregation. Names such as Maddie and Matthew Wilson, Ben King, Pierce Rupert, Anna Laffrey. And this week, I remembered working with Paula over a decade ago. We reimagined our Christian education program, called it Bible Alive, and thought of new creative ways to tell Bible stories and painted murals with biblical scenes. I can remember throughout the years all the the children and youth who, who sang on these steps. I can remember working with Andrea and Susan and Rachel to once again reimagine Christian education into the faith formation journey program. And so the first answer to the question, how then shall we live, is impress God's commandments on your children. A charge Mayflower has met, and we know will continue to be met with dedication and with insight and creativity.
3: The scripture lesson we heard Mark read is about a man named Job, who is going through hard times. He's having problems with his family, his business, his friends. In our passage, we eavesdrop on a heated discussion Job has with the friends about these hard times. Job argues that God is faithful and present, even So we go through hard times. Well, his friends insisted that Job was being punished by God and that God had abandoned him. In response to his friends, Job says this, But ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. One of the blessings of sheltering at home these past months is that I work in front of a large window in my home office. And until now, I've never actually noticed how many cardinals call my yard home. And of course, spring, these past few months, is the time in which nests are built and baby birds are hatched. Last Friday, I was sitting on my porch and my mother was about 10 feet away sitting on our patio. I counted six adult cardinals chirping and darting in the air back and forth, up and down, I got up to see what they were targeting with these dramatic swoops. I'm not sure what I was expecting to see, but what I saw was a baby cardinal sitting on the ground about three feet from a small tree. It occurred to me this baby must have been pushed out of the nest. That time comes for all of us, doesn't it, to be pushed, nudged out of a nest, prompted towards the next move? Well, that moment had clearly come for this baby cardinal with his awkward, furry, and fluffy pinkish feathers. It was fascinating to see what happens in the cardinal kingdom after a baby is nudged from a nest. The first thing I noticed was that he was not alone in this significant life transition. The second thing I noticed is that these adult cardinals were swooping and diving over and over again towards the place where he sat. And then it occurred to me, they were encouraging that baby bird to move a little bit further from the security of the nest. And the baby bird got the message. He stood up, struggled to flap his wings, and landed about 10 feet away, which happened to be about 12 inches from my mother on the patio. But the adult cardinals were not particularly satisfied with this new address for their baby bird so near to a human, and so they began to chirp incessantly and flying towards him and then off to another spot several feet away from my mother's feet. By doing this, I could see that they were showing that baby bird where they wanted it to move. But those of us who have raised children know sometimes the message gets across and sometimes it doesn't. And this time the baby bird hopped and fluttered away and landed in the middle of the street. Those six cardinals became frantic and the volume of their chirping increased again and they began dive-bombing from all directions. But that baby bird was tired now. And he just sat there in the middle of Laurel Street, about 20 feet from my patio. And then we heard a thunderous noise. It was a really big truck with a trailer hauling a bulldozer, driving down Laurel right towards the baby bird. At this point, the adult cardinals, as well as the two human adults, adults were horrified. The cardinals started faster and faster, and my mother and I stood there with hands over our eyes, shouting for this baby bird to move Further, get out of the way. The truck roared down the street, all 40 feet of it, all 18 wheels, all 148,000 pounds, plus the bulldozer, and drove right over the bird. As the truck drove away, we looked to where the bird was sitting. Every one of us was expecting the worst. But there he was, seemingly unaware of the peril overhead. The truck had cleared the bird by 12 inches. The bird clearly did not know what to be afraid of, nor was he aware that anyone was trying to help him. And then we heard another truck. This time, it was the big brown UPS truck driven by Tracy, everyone's favorite delivery person. I quickly signaled for her to stop and she pulled over about 10 feet from the bird. By now, the chirping was a cacophony and birds were flying madly all around us, dive bombing this baby bird, I told her what had happened, and she said, I'll help the little guy out. Slowly, she walked towards the baby bird, and it hopped a foot away. She moved again, and it hopped another foot. She moved again, and then the baby bird spread its wings and flew about ten feet safely into an ivy patch. Immediately the six cardinals flew to the sidewalk to the edge of the ivy and everyone, human and bird, could not have been happier. Ask the birds of the sky and they will tell you. The hand of the Lord has done this. The prophet Isaiah adds, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it how then shall we live our second charge is to know that life is full of changes sometimes it's leaving our nest of a home or community the nest of preschool or middle school or high school the nest of a job or a relationship, or leaving Grand Rapids and going to St. Paul. This week, I thought how the Spirit is often like those cardinals on Laurel Street, nudging us, coaxing, and modeling for us ways to move forward in life and steering us out of trouble. And the church... Well, at times, we're a lot like Tracy, helping each other hop and even flap our way out of harm's way and into a safe place.
0: And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, writes St. Paul, not only, but we glory. In our sufferings, because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. There's an old church joke that goes along the lines of every pastor has only seven sermons, and she or he just keeps repeating them over and over. This week, as a part of our transition process, I actually decided to go through, or maybe I should say skim through, 15 years of sermons, which I must say is a lot of sermons, or at least a lot of the same seven sermons. And as I read through those sermons, I identified reoccurring themes and ideas and biblical passages. But one that kept reappearing over and over again was my attempt, our attempt, to speak into a crisis that was unfolding in our world. Because if you think about it, over these past 15 years, as a family of faith, we have encountered and experienced what Paul calls suffering. For example, in the financial crisis of 2008, as we grappled repeatedly with the horror of school shootings, natural disasters such as forest fires in California, hurricanes in Puerto Rico, and more recently a pandemic and now tumult and uncertainty as our country discerns social structures that have and continue to result in racism and for black Americans the threat of violence and death. And as I read those repeated sermons that that spoke into the suffering of our world, I came across a quote that I referred to more than once. George MacDonald, the famous Christian author who inspired C.S. Lewis, said this, Everything we consider difficult indicates something more than our theory of life, yet embraces. Interesting, isn't it? Do you have a theory of life that embraces life's difficulties? All the setbacks, the sorrows, the obstacles, even the suffering. Because that's what Paul is talking about in our passage from Romans. He's offering a theory of life. And that is, by the grace of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, what appears to be difficult in our life does and will take us somewhere it's never a dead end how then shall we live first impress god's commandments on your children proclaims the bible second know that the spirit is often like those cardinals on laurel street nudging us coaxing us to move forward in life and the church at times we're like tracy helping each other to hop, to flap our way to safety. And finally, as our world now faces challenges and the greater church faces challenges in this virtual COVID world, and Mayflower sets off towards the horizon with new, wonderful pastoral leaders, I invite you, I charge you to embrace the theory that Paul extends to us. The challenges... Obstacles, even suffering, does produce perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. For as one church member wrote to me recently, a ship in a harbor is safe. But that's not what a ship is built for. So Mayflower, may you, we pray, hoist your sails high so the Spirit might fill them and lead you forward in faith, in love, and in hope. In the name of God, our Creator, Jesus, our Sustainer, and the Spirit, our Sustainer. Amen.
3: And now may the love of God surround you.
0: The peace of Christ attend to you.
3: And the Holy Spirit guide you this day and forevermore. Amen.